This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Gotta love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at shallonxo, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back, my darlings. Let's get relaxed. Let's get ready to receive the message because we've got some good ones today. We've got we've got some really good ones. So we're gonna get in a comfy place. I'm in my closet right now recording my podcast. It's where I record it. So if you picture me on the floor of my walk-in closet, you are accurate. We're going to inhale through the nose and we're gonna exhale through the mouth. And while we do this, this week's mantra is I am not afraid to leave. So let's do this. In through the nose and hold. I am not afraid to leave. Ah, and out. One more time. Say it again. In through the nose. I am not afraid to leave. Why is that our theme this week? Well, we're going to talk to, we're going to tackle two questions that kind of go into this, but I've been thinking a lot about fear and how fear holds us back. How I mean, we talk about fear a lot on the channel. Our fear-based brain, our fear-based decisions, that crazy, manic, snooky brain. Do this! And we hate it, and we have to stop doing it. But I was thinking about the fear of change and the fear of leaving, right? I get afraid to leave all sorts of things. And I don't just mean relationships. I mean on the micro. I'm afraid to leave this party too early, even though I'm tired, even though I I don't want two more drinks. Then I'm going to get hungover or I'm going to get sad and weird and emo or whatever. I'm afraid to leave because I don't want people to be mad at me. I don't want people to think I'm lame. I don't want to alienate people. I have this persona of bringing the party, whatever it might be. And of course, we do it in larger quantities. I'm afraid to leave this job. I'm afraid to leave this hometown. I'm afraid to leave this relationship. But leaning into that fear it is, is what is going to make us bulletproof. And we are still reading Why Men Love Bitches. That's our show literature book club selection. And we are going to do some more podcasts. And I'm, I have a video coming up about that. And I'm sourcing some of the stuff we're talking about from the Shalligator Reddit page. And there's, we're going to do a shift here on the podcast. And previously, I was taking these questions from questions you guys have submitted privately to me on my website, shallonlester.com. But I understand that, you know, that that is very private. And I totally don't ever want to violate someone's privacy, even though I always anonymize it. I change the names. I change a lot of the details. Still, you know, this is our private stuff. So we're going to be sourcing from the Shalligator Reddit page. It's public. There are such such good things that you guys are posting and you're helping each other, which is amazing. Like I, I lurk. Oh, I lurk. And I read some of your responses to each other. I'm like, 
damn, I couldn't set it any better. You guys are going to blow me out of business. So these questions today are from the Shalligator Reddit page and the Why Men Love Bitches video that's coming. That is also going to have a lot of stuff from the Shalligator Reddit page too. And you can actually also follow a brand new Shalligator Instagram account, Shalligators143, where um, Nicole, the admin, love you, Nicole. She's posting some of like the the questions that you guys submit on there. And, and that's another way to connect. You guys can answer questions there and that's where I'm going to be sourcing stuff from. So let's get on into it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This question starts out ugh, so right on. She said, I won't add details because I feel like every girl has had a similar experience to my situation. And huh, right. Okay. So apparently she said, I met this guy on Tinder and we decided to be fuck buddies. After the second time we had sex, which was four months after we met, he asked to be exclusive. A month after that, he said he wanted to take me out on a date. We would talk every day and we started to get close. This one night he told me how much he cared about me and that I reminded him of someone very close to his heart and that I'm so precious and he even told me that he loves me. I told him I felt the same way. The next day he told me he wasn't ready for any of this and we pretty much stopped talking. Help me stop thinking about this fuckboy. Ugh, I just want to throw this guy off a cliff. I see a lot of red flags here. Like literally every sentence is kind of a red flag. And that is not ever a knock on you guys. And I know because I've I've gone through this now that I'm like single and dating and in a new place. It's like I feel like I'm so in the trenches with you guys. And it's so hurtful and embarrassing when people are like, oh, well, obviously this was the red flag and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I was just brokenhearted, but now I'm brokenhearted and I feel stupid. Thank you. Look, you're not stupid. Do you think I'm stupid when I get my heart broken? Dude, I hope not. I mean, I really hope not. That would hurt my feelings a lot. I don't think you're stupid. None of us are because we're empathetic, loving, trusting, deep, complex, amazing women. And the reason fuckboys are fuckboys is because they twist our best qualities and weaponize them against us. Suddenly, our empathy, oh man, that's a weak spot. No, we gotta be spiky and mean. I don't wanna be mean. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Well, I am a fighter, but I prefer to be a lover, you know, that comes so much more naturally to all of us. It's like they always say, it takes more muscles to frown than to smile. Same thing emotionally. So don't think that when I break down these questions or when I answer you, that in any way I think you're stupid. I just kind of get to the point so that we can really dig into the meat of what's going on and not pussyfoot around. Because when we pussyfoot around, we just prolong the hurt. You know, it's like pulling out that psychological splinter. If you pull out a real splinter, you're not jabbing around it with the tweezers for 20 minutes. You're like, dude, I want to get in and get out. I want to get this over with, get the pain over with, get the healing underway. So here are the red flags I see. And again, none of this is because she's stupid. She's not. So you met on Tinder. All right, that's fine. I've met a lot of people on Tinder. I've met boyfriends on Tinder. Right? People are like, ugh, Tinder. Bleh. But what was the old way? You put on all your makeup. 
you go to the bar, there's maybe 15 guys there if you live in a small town, which most of us do. I do now. You drink all these calories. You hope that some random dude in this bar is like your soulmate. How is that old way better when you can just cycle through a lot of people and get to know more people volume wise? It's like the Costco of dating. And I love Costco. So we decided to be fuck buddies. After the second time we had sex, which was four months after we met, he asked to be exclusive. Okay, this timeline is what concerns me. You want to be fuck buddies? You know what they do? They fuck. Like, I don't want a fuck buddy that I see once every four months. Like, that's not a buddy of any kind. That's so intermittent. Like, if you're telling me you're going to be my steady supply of sex, you better be exactly that. Otherwise, like, why am I holding space for you in my life? This is boring. A fuck buddy for a girl is not special. We can go get laid by anyone we want to. We should never, never feel like it's a privilege to be a guy's fuck buddy. They should feel like it's a privilege to be ours. Guys can't go out and just get laid. That's why they shoot up schools because like they're incels and they're adult virgins and no one will sleep with them. Notice none of these incels are female. That's because we can catch a dick whenever we want. So let's stop acting like they're doing us a favor by allowing us to have sex with them. Are you kidding me? No. So his timeline here is a red flag to me. It's also a huge red flag that you have sex twice and suddenly he wants to be exclusive. We love it when people want to be exclusive with us. You know, it's a psychological principle that we love people who love us. We want to be adored. We want to be worshipped. Like we want to be loved, of course. But think about the kind of person who says you're my girlfriend after two times having sex with you. No dates, just booty calls. Either this person is collecting hearts, right? And he sees you as a possession. And this is his way of getting his hooks in you, dropping that exclusive word because he knows girls cannot resist it. Who can? We can't resist it. Or this is what he views as a girlfriend. Something very shallow and one-dimensional, not rooted in any kind of actual knowledge or data, It's, hey, we're together. It's like, do you know anything about me? Why are we together? What do you bring to the table? What do I bring to yours? Either way you slice it, this isn't a good pathology. It's either possessiveness or incredible, literally like elementary school level immaturity, where it's like, check yes or no, you want to be my girlfriend? And you're seven years old. Like, is that where he's at emotionally? Not a good thing. This gets worse. A month after that, he wanted to take me out on a date. A month? Why a month? If you're exclusive and he's not taking you out on dates, you are actually not exclusive. Well, you might be exclusive with him. He's not exclusive with you. And this is, now I am believing that the pathology is one of possession, right? He wants to get his hooks in you and have you on his shelf in his little harem to pull down whatever he wants. And then he knows, okay, maybe every 30 days, I'm going to take this bitch out to dinner. And I'm using that language not to degrade you, not to make you feel stupid, because you are not, but to remind you that this is how this person is viewing situations and not just with you. This is not a you thing. This is a him thing. This is how he approaches the world, relationships, and females in general. This is someone who has almost no respect for women. You could be Megan Fox. You could be Miranda Carey. You could be Addison Rae. You could have a velvet-lined vagina. He is not going to view you or treat you any differently. He is incapable or unwilling. doesn't matter. It, it literally, 
doesn't matter. All roads lead to the same place. Let's keep it going because it gets worse. We would talk every day and we started to get close. Mm, okay. I mean, it sounds good, right? This is what I have a problem with. One night he told me he cared about me and that I reminded him of someone close to his heart. I cannot think of something more insulting to say to a woman. You remind me of someone else I loved, but someone I loved better. Oh, oh, okay. So I'm some sort of emotional Elvis impersonator here? Is that what I am? I'm cosplaying as your ex-girlfriend? Who the fuck think that it's like an appropriate thing to say to somebody? That's insane. And you know what? I kind of said that to an ex-boyfriend. My ex-boyfriend, Max, who you guys knew, looked, looks, still currently looks exactly like my original Hurt Locker. One of the loves of my life. Very, like, famous, professional person. Like, could not get over him. And the reason I first, like, noticed Max at this party, we were on a yacht, is because he looks so much like my ex. And my friend is like, he, my friend even leaned over. She's like, he looks so much like your ex. I'm like, I know it. And she's like, you've also been staring at him for like a good 20 minutes. So if you don't want to talk to him, you should probably stop. And like, then we met and we started talking and then he, he was, it was weird. He even had like a voice like my ex it was crazy, but very quickly he stopped reminding me of my ex and he, you know, obviously became his own person. And that comparison was no longer at play. But I think one time, like he found out who I had dated and he's like, people always say I look like him. I was like, yes, you do. And he's like, is that why you first started talking to me or were looking at me? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. But this wasn't something I said in a moment of intimacy right before I said I loved you. Hey, you remind me so much of my ex. I love you. What? That would have been insane and insulting and manipulative. And it's manipulative because it preys on our competitive nature. Wow. I remind him of someone he loved. So that means I'm in the love category. So that means I've got a leg up on the competition. All I have to do is just get a little bit ahead of her. What the fuck? That's so crazy and manipulative. We're not doing that. Absolutely not. No, no. And so... I think that him saying I love you was so that you could say it back and he could know, got her. And then he's like, ah, I actually don't want this. Again, that's a game of possession. That's a game of possession. You know how it is when you're like, I have to have this shirt. If I don't have this shirt, if I don't blow my allowance on this shirt, I'm going to kill myself. You buy it, you get it home, you wear it once, you don't care about it anymore. Right? That's happened to all of us with possessions, not with people. We don't do that with people because like I said, we're deep and we're complex and we're wonderful women. And the people we're dealing with are not always on our level. And the ironic part is when they treat us like this, they make us feel like we are not on their level. Oh, I just, I'm not good enough for him. Bitch, are you kidding me? This goes back to the pigeon and the eagle example, right? Or, you know what? Forget the eagle. The pigeon and the people. Pigeon and the people. I lived in New York City for a long time and a lot about pigeons. I am better than a pigeon. By whatever metric you want to come up with, I'm better. All people are. And yet, do pigeons want to hang out with me? No, they don't. They scatter. Even though I could go up to them and be like, but I'm better than you. I could teach you things. I could teach you better food than old cigarette butts and Rite Aid receipts. They still don't want to hang around me because I frighten them. I'm not on their level. I'm higher than it. 
but they need to be around other pigeons. They need to be around other things eating CVS receipts. And people are like that too. We assume people are people. Oh, I'm a, I'm a cool person. You're a cool person. Oh, wait, are you actually a pigeon? Look at pigeon behavior and then ask yourself, who's really the crazy one here? Is it me or is it them? So the way you stop thinking about this fuckboy is to realize you're dealing with a pigeon, perhaps a bit of a sophisticated one, a manipulative pigeon, no doubt, but a small ratty ass bird nonetheless. And go forward looking at things like trajectory, timeline, manipulation, reciprocity. The way we get over things is to learn. And learning is so painful because, you know, it's embarrassing. I'm with, I am so with you on that right now. Like I am in situations where I'm like, oh, what a horrible lesson I've just had to learn. And I feel more than anything so embarrassed. Barack Obama's book, I think I think he's only written one. It was called The Audacity of Hope. And I remember when it came out, I was like, The Audacity of Hope? Is hope audacious? Huh. I don't know. And it didn't really resonate with me kind of until recently when I started getting my heart broken or, you know, just dealing with guys and being disappointed and stuff. And it's like the hopefulness I felt about those situations quickly became embarrassing. And then I realized that's where the audacity of hope comes in. You know, it's like, how dare you hope for this to work out? So embarrassing. You should be so embarrassed by yourself. But we cannot let that be true. Barack leans into that. Yeah, I'm hopeful. Yeah, it might be embarrassing. It might be audacious. That's what changes the world. So let go of this embarrassment you might feel about getting played by a fuckboy or getting your heart broken. No one is, no one is embarrassed by you. No one's like, oh, lame ass Kate. No one's saying that. Don't say that about yourself because it's going to inhibit your growth. It's going to inhibit those lessons from sinking in. And therefore it's going to keep you stuck because embarrassment makes us kind of like dig our heels in. I can't let go because then this is just an embarrassing chapter for no reason. But if I stick this out and get us to this good place and he's my boyfriend, he loves me. It's just that embarrassment was just part of a plot line. And every plot line has low points, rising and falling action. This adds up to a happy ending. This was worth it. Your happy ending is the growth. Your happy ending isn't always meant to be the guy. It's meant to be you. You are your own happy ending. Our next Shalligator Reddit question is piggybacking off a recent video I did. <laughs> she titled it, Blindsided by a breakup video is suddenly the theme of my life. She said, oh man, where do I start? To keep it short and sweet, I watched the Blindsided by a breakup video about Vanessa Morgan when Shallon first uploaded it, watching because I love Shallon and not because it was applicable to my life. Until, surprise! My man I have lived with for over a year just came home and dropped it on me that he doesn't love me anymore and asked me to leave Ask me, oh my God, ask me to leave, to give him space to see if he can come back to me. At first, I was so nice about it, but the last few days that has shifted and I rewatched the video today and now I know what to do. Ice fucking cold, baby. So I wanted, this isn't necessarily a question, but I just wanted to like talk about this because I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I just, oh, blindsided, you know, by a breakup and what a nightmare. I love how he asked you to leave. Give him space and see if he can come back. 
oh, so I get to audition as your girlfriend? Like, what the fuck kind of bullshit test is this? You know, I just, I want to see if I miss you. When one of my relationships was breaking up, he stopped talking to me. It's a very serious relationship. I don't know if you've ever been iced out by someone who lives in your house. Painful is not even the word to describe it. It is a combination of being ghosted, which is terrifying, of that sick feeling in your stomach of, oh my God, a breakup is coming and there's nothing I can do to stop it. It's roommate drama. It's your parents being mad at you and icing you out and tension. It, it is the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I was like, why are you, why aren't you speaking to me? We live in the same house. And he said, I'm deciding, I'm deciding if I still want to be with you. And that I, it was the cruelest thing. And that shifted everything for me. I was like, uh-huh. let me go ahead and help you with that decision. I called the bluff and I moved out and that, whatever, it's, it still didn't work out, but I at least took back my power. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how this is going to go. And I'm so sorry you're in this position too. And I think you did it exactly right. Yeah, at first we're nice about it and then has to come that ice shift. I have been dealing with a situation kind of similar where I want to be nice. I want to be nice. I know that I am supposed to be nice. And when you care about someone, like we said in the other question, you you want to love. We're not fighters, we're lovers, right? But uh, people prey on the elasticity of your affection. That is human nature. It's human nature. Even animals do it. Toddlers do it. My God, toddlers do almost nothing but that, right? And God knows boyfriends do it. We do, we do it. We do it to our families. I know if I'm having a bad day, I can pick a fight with my mom. She's not going anywhere. I can scream at my sister. I'm not going to scream at my boss though, because our relationship dynamic is not predicated on affection. It's predicated on give and take, right? You know, it's a usury relationship as it should be. So beware of people who are tapping into your elasticity. I have become very, very inelastic over the last year. Because I have been in two different relationships where I have just been absolutely preyed upon for that elasticity of affection. Please just give me some more time. Just bear with me. I'm doing therapy. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm making progress. I promise. Why the fuck should I wait around? And you know what I've learned? Waiting doesn't work. I hate that being nice doesn't work. I hate it. This is why we're reading Why Men Love Bitches. And this is why we're going to do videos on it. And I'm going to do some more podcasts on it because we are inclined to just give and give and give. I'm going to be nice. Oh my God. Because we love them. When we make that shift to, you know what? No, no. Suddenly their behavior has consequences. And suddenly they have to sit inside those consequences. And suddenly they have to decide whether or not their behaviors are working and are giving them the outcome that they want. He can't miss what he hasn't lost. And I've always said, sometimes a man needs a very big dose of what he thinks he wants. Oh, you want to spend all your time with, I don't know, your drug dealers and your burnout friends? Great. I'm going to church. I'm going to stay home and make vision boards. I'm going hiking. I'm going to do something positive. No, 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 no. No, you stay with like the geeks and losers of the world. Not geeks, because I love geeks. That's fine. Don't come knocking on my door until you have made a huge, 
positive shift and you are not going back. I'm not waiting around for this bullshit because waiting around only gets you further elasticized. And what what happens when we pull on something elastic? It it gets thinner and thinner and thinner and tenser and tenser until it snaps. And then the broken person, the hurt person, the person who needs help is no longer him. It's you. But it's also still him. But now it's fucking you. And how does that serve us? How does making his problems your problems serve any of us? It doesn't serve ourselves. And girl, it doesn't serve him either. I read this article and it, you know, I, I always look for things that that tap into what we talk about here, even if it's a different subject matter or even the language is, is different. And I mean, I just put something on my Instagram that said, if you're suicidal, you're homicidal. And that, that was some detective from Dateline that said that. And when he said that, I was like, that is not right. <laughs> like, I don't think that's right. Like at all. Some people. Yeah. But I, for the most part, I don't, I don't think so, but I found the metaphor in it. I'm like, Hmm, hurt people, hurt people is what that means. If you hate yourself, you're spraying venom and dysfunction all over the place. No matter how inward you think you're turning that you're not, you're a shitty sister, a shitty friend, a shitty girlfriend. You are actually not keeping that contained. And until you look at that, all you're doing is entrenching yourself in a victim narrative, which makes you kind of more unbearable. The point is, I was looking at this article about baby boomer parents who had millennial or Gen Z kids who were addicted to Oxy and how these parents had completely annihilated their financial future and their retirement to try to save their kids from this addiction. I mean, they had sold their houses. They had blown through their retirement fund and and they're like we are so fucked for the future and my kid is still on oxy and so they talked to i don't know like 20 or so families who had gone through just all of this stuff trying to save their kids and get them well and finally they had to reach the point like they financially had to where they cut the kid off and it was then that those kids got better and they talked they interviewed the kids too and one of them, Connor, I'm sure they're, they're all named Connor, right? He's like, you know, I was in rehab six times. I took it, I thought, I told myself I was taking it seriously, but I knew underneath it all that if I got out and if I fucked up, mom and dad would bail me out. They'd literally bail me out of jail. They were still going to pay my rent. They were still going to buy my food. Like they were still going to be there for me. I knew that they were. And then one night something changed. I got arrested. I called my mom and she's like, I'm very sorry to hear that click. Another kid was like, I ended up in the hospital. I crashed my car and had a concussion. No one came to see me. No one filled out the paperwork. No one talked to the doctors. And my parents let me know, we're not, we're not engaging in this anymore. And that was scary, but that woke me up. And the parents were, I mean, in just agony having to do this. And I've, I've always sort of had this theory that tough love is tough on the people giving it, not on the people who are receiving, not on the drug addict people. It is tough on, on people like us, the lovers, the fighters, fighter for the people we love to stand up and say, I'm not doing this. I'm not watching this anymore. I can't. You're on your own, dude. Is it, it feels like you're abandoning them. They're going to tell you that, right? It feels cruel and vicious. They're going to tell you that too. But what do we say about boundaries? The people who hate your boundaries are the ones who benefited from you having none at all. And this dude who walked 
you know, out or (laughs) I'm sorry, made her walk out after a year of cohabitation. Hey, bro, time for some tough love. Ice fucking cold. When we want someone back, the answer is to pull away. It feels so unnatural. It sounds counterintuitive, but it works. You can't miss what you haven't lost. You can't change what you don't acknowledge. And those two things very often walk hand in hand. People must feel the weight of their decisions. They must not be allowed to dabble in in decision-making. Mm, why don't you move out while I decide if I want to be with you? I'm going to have a lot of other girls over here where I just keep fucking them. And I'm probably going to keep fucking you too and dropping you text messages. But if you could just like kind of hang on for a long time, that would be great. No one's going to come out and say that. No one's going to come out and say that. But they are going to do it. What people say means nothing. What their potential is means nothing. What their intentions are, nothing. The only thing that matters is behavior. That's it. And we need to be the exemplar of that. Oh, this is what you want? Let me go ahead and call your bluff there, Connor. I'm moving out. No, 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 no. Don't call me. I'm blocking your number. Bye. Oh, that's funny. I got my own apartment. I'm taking the fig tree, okay? taking the fiddle leaf fig. I'm taking noodles too. Come on, noodles. This is not the time for us to be softies, right? Love needs to be a reward. And when people treat us like this, hey, I was wondering if you can move out so I can just fuck a bunch of girls. Uh-huh. That doesn't get rewarded with empathy. Hey, uh, I'm going to lie to you about getting sober and like getting my life together. If you could just stick around, that'd be great. Oh, actually, I don't think so. That's crazy. I, I get why you're suggesting that, but mm, let me go ahead and correct you. Get yourself together. Get your mind where it needs to be. Then you can come back to me. And then suddenly, who's got the power here? You do. Not them kicking you out, lying to you, whatever it is. You have the power because you have shown them that you will not be negotiated with. Suddenly, they started out the terrorists terrorizing you into capitulation. Oh, that's interesting. I don't negotiate with terrorists. Bye. Click. Blow up the bank. Kill the hostage. I don't care. Bye. Let me do it for you, actually. Then you've got the power. Then you're the badass. Then you are the one not to be fucked with because you have made it clear you are willing to walk away. That's the central theme of why men love bitches. It's not about I'm going to be a bitch and I'm going to play games and not say what I want. It is I am not afraid to leave. And when you truly inhabit that space, you are unstoppable. You are the an absolute war machine in the best way. No one can manipulate you. No one can gaslight you. You're bulletproof. And therefore, you're weeding out the bullshit. And you are attracting only people into your life who you truly want and who truly deserve you. So let's remember that as we go into our next week. I am not afraid to leave. Whatever pain I think is on the other side of leaving, the pain here in this space where I just, I'm so nice. I'm so sorry you're going through this. Sure. I'll move out. Oh, that is also pain. You don't feel good. You feel awful. You feel anxious. You feel tense. You have no idea where your life is going. No idea what the day holds. And you feel so ashamed of yourself. So embarrassed. And You know, we were talking about don't be embarrassed if you get bamboozled. Do be embarrassed by this. 
Truly, because a little bit of this kind of embarrassment, of that self-denial embarrassment, is healthy. That's going to propel you out of this. And that's going to propel you into a level of absolute fearlessness. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. Stay savage.